1: Ben on Lead Pastor. Uh, We are kicking off a new series, All You Need is Love. And we're looking at why this is uh, really such a big deal, not only practically, but really from God's perspective uh, as well. Uh, I thought to start us out here, uh, I would uh, share with you some sayings or some answers to questions uh, from some elementary school uh, kids. I I did this about five, six years ago, but came across some new ones. Uh, As they were really giving their wisdom on love and relationships. First question is this, why do most, what do most people do on a date? Uh, answer, dates are for having fun and getting to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. <laughs> and, uh, and same question, why do people go on a date? Martin H. 10 says, on the first date, they tell lies to each other. This usually gets them interested enough to go on a second date. How many of you know that's just a little bit true? And yeah, uh, okay. Now this uh, is one of my very favorites. The kid who answers is age six. His name is Freddie. Uh, question, when is the right age to get married? Freddie says, no age is good to get married at. You gotta be a fool to get married. <laughs> <laughs> he has a strong opinion on that, uh, doesn't he? And then finally, uh, this uh, question, it uh, really has to do, what do your mom and dad have in common? Laurie, age eight, they both don't want any more kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're, uh, we're gonna have a little fun today as we dig into what is known as the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, has a lot of uh, practical applications. Hey, I wanna just give you a roadmap of where we're going in this series. Uh, Next week, we're going to look a little bit more uh, at how we live this out in uh, marriage and dating relationships. This week is going to be more of an introduction uh, to really God's perspective on love and sort of how we navigate this in, in our life. And I, I hope you'll find it uh, interesting and helpful uh, as we look at some practical application at the end. But I want to give you an overview of this book of the Bible. First Corinthians uh, was written by a guy named Paul. God used him to write about two thirds of the New Testament and uh, this is written to a group of believers who are having uh, trouble. These people were supposedly good church people, but they were fighting there was jealousy, envy, there was all sorts of uh, greed, sexual immorality people were getting drunk all the time, and uh, he's, he addresses all these Uh, problems in, you know, for each situation they were going through. But then at the end of chapter 12, he says, okay, now that I've addressed the issues, now let me show you a more excellent way, or the most excellent way. And instead of just saying, let's tackle every problem as they come, he says, what if we focused on the end game, and that that one thing that would bring uh, meaning and purpose to your life, and also help you deal with the problems that you're going through. I've talked to so many people, and and they say, hey, we've got these problems. And wouldn't it be great if we went from managing problems to focusing on where we're going in our life and in our relationships? And we could focus on love. Jesus said love covers a multitude of sins. We see these scriptures, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, follow the way of love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, it says, do everything in love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Romans three ten, love is the fulfillment of the law. So love is a big deal, but oftentimes uh, we come up with our own uh, definition, and I think that's where we run into trouble. There's some uh, common misconceptions uh, around love. One is that love is just lightweight, you know, like, especially if you're a church person. Hey, why aren't we, you know, studying the four horsemen of the apocalypse or something like that? Well, the Bible says God is love, that our highest aim should be love, And so it really, it's not like the hostess Twinkie of biblical theology. It is sort of the meaty part when we look at this. Also, we think love is a feeling. Love can produce feelings. Uh, Love uh, is more than a feeling. And this is why this is important. I talk to people and they'll say, well, uh, I just don't feel love anymore. If you've lost that loving feeling, I'm not singing, by the way. Uh, (laughs) just came out that way. I couldn't help it. So, but you can get it back. Yeah, I don't believe that's true. You know, not to be rude, I don't care what you believe. I just know it because I've probably talked to a lot more people than you have and seen people who have been fighting, who've gone through, who've lost kids, where there's been infidelity, who've gone through a lot of stuff. And on the other end of those problems... Their love is actually deeper than it's ever been, and they're having more joy in their life. So, see, I have, will that necessarily happen? No. Have I seen it happen? Oh, yeah, way more than once or twice or six or seven times. See, oftentimes we'll think this, love is uncontrollable. You know, like, oh, I just fell in love. It's like I was walking, like I fell in a ditch. You know, I'm in love and I can't get up. That's sort of how we treat uh, uh, love. Uh, that's... <laughs> That's not, well, anyway, I, I get in trouble when I say certain things, so I won't do it. So, uh, you're you're in lust, maybe, is what you're in, but that's not love. Uh, love is easy. Uh, and by the way, this is, no person who's ever been married believes this. But people, well, you know, we're just so in love, and we do a lot of weddings around here. Yeah, it's great, and you know, it's great, and you have the wedding, and you're in love, and the honeymoon but you know someday you wake up and there's like body odor (laughs) and gas and uh, don't you feel romantic at this moment (laughs) yeah you know there's the realities and the complexities uh, of life we're going to look at at a passage that really defines love and now uh, I'm going to actually start next week getting into this passage but I wanted to share it this week you've heard it before if you've never been to church in your life, if you're not a Christian, if you're uh, barely connected to anything in culture, you have heard this before. Uh, it's, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres, love never fails. And see, you know why people, people who are, you know, they're not church people, they're not God, I mean, people who are atheists like this, and do you know why? Because there's probably not one person in this room who would say, I don't want that. In fact, here's the problem, is that some of us believe that is not possible, it's not always easy, but it is possible. And what we're going to learn is how that has to do more with us, how we show up in that way. And yes, does it, will it always be reciprocated? No. But it really does change life and relationships when we grasp that. What I want to do is I, I want to get to the precursor of that, uh, of that passage. It starts out in 1 uh, Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. It says, if I speak in the tongue of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So what's it saying? It's saying, if I'm spiritual, being spiritual and loving aren't the same things. There are people who, especially uh, with a sense of religiosity, will act spiritual. But that's not necessarily love. It should produce love. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but have not love, I gain nothing. So the point there is I can be spiritual, I can be sacrificial, I can be wise, but I can miss out on love. And I say this because there are a lot of you, you're smart people. You're, you know, you're smart, you're successful in, in maybe areas of your life. I just want to let you know, it won't necessarily transfer. And in fact, the greater your success, it actually may be a barrier to it transferring to other areas of your life. Because oftentimes we don't have people who will maybe tell us the truth, where we're, where we're doing, how we're doing in this aspect of our life. So I want to look at... What the scripture has to say about love the key idea is this is that love is a trans, is not a transaction is a choice uh, I, I hear this from people well you know what uh, hey i just want a 50 50 relationship there's no if, if if you're committed to a 50 50 relationship you will have a hundred percent failure rate it just doesn't work if there, I mean, in fact I, I hate to admit this but i was watching daytime tv Uh, not too long ago. Some of you are like, hey, I only thought you worked a few hours on weekend anyway. I thought that's what you always did. But uh, I was home and watching daytime TV, and I don't know what show it was. I think it was something, you know, really, really insightful. Uh, I don't know if it was Oprah or Jerry Springer or what it was, Dr. Phil. But uh, there's a lady there, and a husband and wife, they were having trouble, and she had actually come up with a chart of behavior and was giving him demerits Every time he failed. And she could not understand why they were having trouble in their relationship. And uh, yeah, it seems silly, right? Because we would never make the chart. But okay, do you do that? You keep a little score? Say, well, hey, what's wrong? I want things to be fair. Fair, that's great. Fair and love are not the same thing. And in fact, honestly, if you're committed to fair above everything else, love is not going to be present. You might say, hey, I want both. That's great. I'm glad you want both. I'm telling you what you can have. You can have a sense of love where that fairness thing, I mean, that still matters and By the way, if you're narcissistic or sociopath, don't abuse people with that because they're trying to be loving. Because if you are, people will give up on you. And that's just a rational choice. But real love throws away the chart. And Jesus, what he does is he's talking to a religious leader about love. And he's talking about the broader aspect of love. Uh, And uh, he says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Not many people would say, oh, I'm against that, you know. There's not, I mean, we have a divided nation politically and all that. Not many people are say, "I'm a, would say, I'm against loving my neighbor. But the question is the who and the how. And in fact, uh, Jesus was asked by this religious leader, well, who is my neighbor? He's trying to, you know, define it. He's maybe looking for a way out. And Jesus tells what is probably one of the best known stories in the Bible, again, This is uh, common across our culture. Uh, You've heard this account before. It's called the Good Samaritan. Uh, And in fact, uh, it was, there was a guy uh, in the lobby after last service. And I was describing last service how Samaritans, uh, there were Samaritans and Jews, and the Jewish people and the Samaritans didn't like each other very much. And so when you, you put this in context, I think it helps. It, Jesus tells the story. He said, uh, when he's asked, uh, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And then there were some religious people who came by. They didn't do anything about it. And he said, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And the crowd who heard this would have gone, oh, Samaritan. I mean, think like uh, Patriots fans, awful, evil people. And, you know, I <laughs> say, you're bitter about, yeah, I'm still bitter a little bit. Uh, that's why I'm preaching this series. But there, there, there's this there's this group of people that they didn't think could ever show love, let alone be worthy of love. Yet it's the very person in the story Jesus talks about. And he sort of upends their beliefs. He says he went to him and bandaged... Uh, uh, a Samaritan, when he traveled by, came uh, where the man was who was attacked by robbers. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he took the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, uh, gave them to the innkeeper. He said, "Look after him." He said, "And I will. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have." And then uh, the the man is asked the question, who had mercy on him? And uh, the, re- the religious leader says, well, uh, or, or J- Jesus says, who is a neighbor? And the man says, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now, this uh, story is pretty extreme in many ways. We're probably not going to come across people who are beaten down on the side of the road, and we're going to have to come to that decision whether or not uh, we help. But my guess is is that there's going to be some challenges that we're going to go through. When people are just starting to date, uh, I mean, it's easy. You know, the feelings are there, and there's the walks on the beach, and, and you have your song, and you both know what your song is, and it's a big deal when your song comes on, you know. And so it's just uh, wonderful. But there comes a point in any relationship... And I know I'm talking more about marriage than I said I would. That's supposed to be next week. But uh, in any relationship, when there's going to be difficulty and problems, and it's how you navigate that that'll determine the quality of your love. As, I, as I've said, I, I, I've seen people go through challenges and really significant challenges. Loss of a loved one, maybe an infidelity. And, 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 and most of those relationships don't make it. I'm real encouraging this morning, aren't I? It's true. A major problem is the quitting point for most people. And yet there's that other group of people who not only is it not a quitting point, it's a defining moment where love is not a feeling, it's not uncontrollable, it's a choice that is made, and it's life-giving. And my prayer is that you will make that choice in your, definitely in your family, in your marriage, and your relationships. But God, God will come to you in a way where you'll say, God, I want to, I, I want to involve you in this choice. So let me get practical. I gave you a big, long setup and we'll go through uh, 1 Corinthians 13 next week. But I, I just want to give you some practical takeaways that we find in this scripture, so what does choosing love looks like? It looks like taking notice. Uh, we, we read in, in the scripture that that's the first thing that happened with the Samaritan is he took notice. It says the Samaritan, when he traveled, he came where the man was and he saw him. The problem is some of us, uh, we, we don't take notice very well. And by the way, uh, the guy was probably very, very busy. But he took time to to notice. In fact, there's a whole group of people who are, I mean, I hate to make the generalization, but there's a whole group of us that usually are not very attentive. We don't pay attention to the little things very well. What do we call these people? Women. And so the, uh, (laughs) if if you're new to this planet, I'm joking. Uh, No, it's usually men. And usually men And we'll say, well, that's just the way I am. That's not the way you have to be. And I can say this as I'm probably the worst among us at it, but I've gotten a lot better at it. Not perfect. It's that discipline of saying, I'm going to take note. You know what it is? Because it's usually not seeing something. I mean, we see something going on. We're going to get involved. Most of us aren't that callous or unaware. It's the tone of voice. It's when you're having a conversation and you're listening for the meaning behind the words and you say... Hey, are you okay? Or maybe you remember something, maybe it's a friendship and you're saying, are you okay with what you've been going through? Are you still doing okay? Or or, here's here's the question, that's a big one. Are we okay? Are, are, Are we okay? And being willing to listen and to hear that answer. Well, a second choice in this is the choice to have empathy. Uh, b- by the way, those of you who've studied uh, emotional intelligence, there's Daniel Goldman's work. A lot of people have written on emotional intelligence. Unlike IQ, EQ can actually, you can make progress in it. You can increase your emotional intelligence. And part of that is to understand what the person is going through. Uh, we, we see... Uh, as the Samaritan, as he was going along, it says, and he took pity on him. That means he, he it's not the kind of pity that says, oh, you're pitiful, what a loser. Because, by the way, the, if you sort of read the details behind the story, the man who would have been on this journey, he made some bad choices. He traveled alone on a road where there were robbers. He shouldn't have done some things, but he, he doesn't point out everything he did wrong. He thinks, hey, I know what it would be like. If that was me, I know what I would feel like. I know what I would want. And uh, it, it, for me, it's, again, something that doesn't come natural. I was just thinking about not too many years ago, uh, I was going to a high school reunion and, 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 you know, sort of have friends on Facebook and things are going on. Some are doing well, some, you know, unraveling marriages, recently divorced, all of that. So I was thinking about, hey, what would, uh, you know, I'm going to this reunion alone uh I, what would my wife feel like and so so i just asked her i said hey honey do you want to go to uh the reunion with me and she goes oh no you my wife's real sweet you go alone and then i just so i wanted to ask a deeper i said well does it make you you know feel uncomfortable are you sure you don't want to go with me because there'll be lots of single women there and are you afraid that one of them might try to pick me up and she said, "Now I'll take my chances." <laughs> so, yeah, that didn't work out too well. But uh, uh, seriously, when when your when when your spouse fails, are you are you more when they fail you? Do you ever put yourself in that position? You ever say, you know, what's it like to be on the other side of me in those situations? And when we start to do that, and I know it's hard. That's what love is. That's what energizes relationship. And and just, I want to spend a little time here because I I don't, some of you are saying, that's just not me. Can I say that? Let that be you. Because otherwise, you're going to... You'll probably end up blaming God. God, why don't I have the love? Well, God told you what, it's, what this requires. See, I said it wasn't going to be easy. See, if we, if we notice and we have empathy, it is a great start to choosing to love. It says in Galatians 6.2, it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And then the third part of this, and this is where action comes in, is just seizing the moment. There are moments in our life, in our relationship, that we're never going to get back again. And some of you dwell in the past, by the way, you can't do anything about the past. But you can't say, hey, when that moment comes, I'm going to be there. I'm going to choose to love. And I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but uh, if you're busy all the time, you're not gonna have, it's hard to, to love, to sh- express love when your schedule is crammed. In fact, I can say this, is if you're over-scheduled, the people around you will feel underloved, Because we won't notice. It's hard to have empathy. It's hard to take time. Think about uh, the, the man's story. He was actually uh, on a business trip uh, actually had some success. We sort of know that by what he had, the money and, and all of that. It says, and he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He got personally involved. Maybe for use you, with your kids. And uh, they're struggling. You know what love may be? I mean, uh, it may be you getting personally involved. Now, I, I, again, I'm not judging anyone or... Uh, you know maybe they 're having trouble and they 're struggling and they 're feeling stupid and and you help them with their homework when it 's uh, easier to just hire the tutor uh, and you say, "Hey, I just want because I think that that will help them now for me there's some subjects i don't tutor at all like like math like once they introduced the alphabet, I gave up on it and so there uh, but there's those those decisions we make. My uncle, uh, who passed away, went to his funeral this week. Uh, he, he really came to uh, w- what I understand is a, a real more personal relationship with Christ probably a little later in his life. Uh, he, had been, uh, he had been a church person, though. And his pastor told the story about, it wasn't too long ago, his, his uh, friend John, his best friend, actually was going to the hospital and was nervous about it. And my uncle, who had uh, worked in construction, you know, sort of th- that kind of guy, and, and had, uh, he was a man of action, went over him and his wife, and they went and they visited John. And uh, he just uh, got, his, his, John was nervous, he got, got to the point, he said, well, John, uh, do you know, do you know Jesus? And, and by the way, this is not, my uncle's not one of those guys to stand on a street corner and say, hey, do you know Jesus, do you know Jesus? Uh, this would have been way outside of his comfort zone. And his friend John said, you know what, honestly, I, I, I really don't. And so he explained what it meant and, and what it would mean and, and asked him if he wanted to, to uh, have a relationship with Jesus. And his friend John said, said yes. And then uh, both of them sort of being old school man of action guys, John says, okay, now what do I do? My uncle said, well, the Bible says you should be baptized. Right then and there, he baptizes them. Kapoosh. And, you know, and he, just, he was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. By the way, that when we have baptism in a couple weeks, if you've, if you've not yet since you believed, there's, there's baptism that's your parents' faith, which would be uh, maybe what you if you were baptized as a child, but in your adult faith, it doesn't save you, but it's saying, I identify with Jesus. I'm, I'm making a decision. Today. Uh, interesting, well, and sad thing was his friend John actually never made a surgery. passed away. But I know my uncle, because he, he, he told this, this story a couple times, it was one of those decisions that he never regretted in his life. He's saying, now in this moment, I'm not going to wait. I talked to too many people, and I know I'm talking a little bit too much to married people. I said I was going to do that next but the, you wait too long. You say, "Well, oh yeah, we'll get counseling," and and I, I don't want to judge you for the pain of it, but yeah, we'll get counseling after we've already talked divorce and we're separated and we filed papers. No, it, you got to back that up a bit. You say we're going to do it now, or maybe our reengage. I mean, we'll have. I can't believe one year over four hundred people will have gone through our reengage ministry, saying, "Hey, I'm going to put God at the center of this." what's that thing that god is calling you to to seize the moment i know my prayer is god don't let me miss these moments matthew 7 12 says this so in everything do to others as you would have them do to you and that leads to number four is, uh do whatever it takes we certainly see this in the biblical account uh it says uh, then he the samaritan put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him the next day He took out two denarii and he gave them to an innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. He's saying, I'm going to put my time, my energy, my wealth. Literally, he would have had to walk miles and he's doing whatever it takes. And we get this picture in the Bible of God that way. In fact, it's very, very interesting if, you, if you're a student of religion. Every religion has a moral code. Every religion has something sort of like the Ten Commandments. Uh, and, and I believe that they all point to that. That's, that's, that's why we can say there is a Creator God. Why would we have all this commonality? In fact, even look at the creation stories in different cultures. There's a, a similarity and some people would say, oh, that proves it's all a myth. Really, all these cultures that never had any contact whatsoever would come up with basically the same account? I would challenge your logic and say, maybe that's the way it happened. But here's the difference. The difference in Christianity, not only is it based in history, but God takes the initiative. God sends his son that we can be forgiven, that we can be freed, that he can can take us at our point of weakness, at the most shameful day of our life and not bring judgment, but bring hope and forgiveness if you receive it. See, often, uh, otherwise, if, if we move away from that, what we'll do is we'll be in problem management. You'll learn some stuff. If, you, if you're if you here for the next few weeks, you're going to learn some things that's going to help your relationships, your family, your marriage. But I want you to go deeper from uh, solving the, the problems to getting to the root of the matter. It's sort of like, a, a n- not too long ago actually, uh, it was probably, I don't know, uh, seven years ago I started going to a chiropractor. Uh, I'd really, I really, I was pretty unsure about chiropractic medicine to be honest with you, but I had uh, this chronic uh, pain in, in my shoulder for about ten years I couldn't uh, get rid of when I was, I got it when I was uh, in the Olympics. And so the, uh, <laughs> that's what I tell people, by the way. <laughs> I lie just a little bit. Anyway, uh, I, got, I was at, at, a, at a gym and I hurt my shoulder. And so I thought, why not? What do I got to lose? So I went to this chiropractor, great guy, goes to church and uh, he did a bunch of treatment. Anyway, shoulder all better. And I, I never, I honestly, I, I had I'd gotten used to the pain. I just never thought it was gonna go away. Uh, Now, I I know we have a number of chiropractors in the church. Uh, No offense, but I still do not get chiropractic care. Because I remember the first time I'm going, and he has me down on the table, and I say, I have a sore shoulder, and uh, he's like messing with my feet. I'm like, hey, you know, you're like five and a half feet away from the problem. Uh, You know, nice guy, just thought he was a little slow. I'm not sure what was going on. Uh, And then I remember lower back, and he'd be messing with my hand. I'm like, again, you're a little far away from where my pain is. Uh, But it's called referred pain. And I've learned this. It's where uh, you'll have a pain in one place, but actually the problem is in another place. And I was thinking about that and thinking about some of the struggles that you and I are having right now when it comes to love. When it comes to feeling love, when it comes to expressing love, when it comes to holding together a marriage and a family and working towards a positive future. I think often what we're doing is we're in the problem-solving mode. We want to go to the point of pain instead of backing it up to what's at the root of this. And the scripture would say, and I have seen, that when we understand that depth of love, that really at its source comes from God, that I can then reflect to other people. Doesn't mean that every pain and problem will go away. It's just a lot different and they're not that big in how we walk through them is different as well. For some of you in your marriages, to grasp that from God's perspective, that's that's your assignment, your next step. See, we all go through struggles. We all go through challenges. The question is, is how are we going through them? And who are we going through them with? In fact, we're we're in our uh, growth growth group season, actually a sign-up start today. Uh, If you have not signed up for a growth group, we'll have have well over a 1,000 people in growth groups uh, this quarter. Just an opportunity to connect with other people, learn some things, study the Bible or another topic and grow. Uh, I I wanted you to hear a story of a couple who sort of how they experienced both God's love and peace in a difficult situation. And part of that uh, was through their growth group. I want you to hear the Savedra story. Take a look at this. I'm Eric, this is my wife, Jessica,
0: and we've been at Timberlake for two years. Well, I was a kindergarten teacher in Florida and uh, my second year teaching I had a student that happened to be his nephew, and his sister, the mom of my student, uh, thought that we would just be perfect for each other and pointed, I guess, me out to him multiple times throughout the year. So we met in May, right? And we were engaged in August, and we were married in March, so all before we had known each other for a year (laughs) but we're still going strong now coming up on five years only about six months into our marriage um we found out we were pregnant and we were so excited and we um, were really excited to tell our parents and our families but we kind of got everyone together and um surprised them with the news and um, it was really nice to be able to share that joy with them Um, And we didn't realize how important it was going to be that we kind of shared that with them because we ended up losing that baby um, a few months later. Over the course of the the next um, two years, we ended up um, having five miscarriages, or four miscarriages, five lost babies. We knew moving here we had no friends no family here so uh, we knew that we needed to get involved in the church so within two or three weeks of attending to really put out their winter groups uh, brochure and we just knew that we wanted to invest right away and here when we got to Timberlake uh, we knew that we really needed to share with them what we had been through because we we were still hopeful that we would be able to have a baby within a few months we had happy news to share with them <laughs> and ended up getting to tell them that we were pregnant and, and then they were there and they've been there now since uh, having our little boy. was born in Issaquah and um, he's been amazing and healthy and uh, lively and um, just an awesome blessing and we really feel like the struggles that we went through um, with the previous pregnancies kind of helped us put in perspective what a gift he is. I really don't know how we would have gotten through that without our groups, without just a place to be able to go every week and um be real and show that we were hurting. I remember them showing up even when we kind of weren't reaching out, they showed up anyway. And it was just so amazing to see like that just, I mean, we had only been hanging out with these people for a couple months and already like they were invested in us and they cared and they cried with us. <laughs> I can't imagine our life here without those people
1: You know, I can't, can't understand everything that everyone's going through at this moment. But I do understand what our deepest need is. And that, that need for love is something that God put in you. It's something that sustains you. It's something that you were made for. And some of you maybe have given up on that a little bit. And I don't want you to give up. I just want you to grasp God's perspective. And I don't want you to, to maybe if this is a difficult moment, to let that moment define your life. And there's others of us, if we, we were going to be honest, we've experienced a lot of love in our life. But our response hasn't been there. And what God needs, wants to teach us in the next few weeks is how, how the people around us can feel loved. But for you, it might be a more spiritual issue that when I'm talking about, it just seems maybe a little bit ethereal to you And that's maybe because you haven't grasped the love that God has for you and how you respond to that. Maybe you're like my uncle and uh, sort of a religious guy, but, but haven't connected yet with that relationship. And if you say, hey, I want that, you know that in this moment, in this place, right now, that you can do business with God. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person here. God, I thank you. That as we come into this moment, God, that we can come deeply into your presence. And God, I pray for, I pray specifically for my friends where there's been a disconnect spiritually in their lives. And if you feel that and you feel like, you know, there's, between God, between what the Bible talks about, there's a bit of a disconnect. But, But there's a want to in your heart. That want to is actually called faith that would be building up inside of you that you would say god i come to you i i know you love me god i know you gave your son for me i i don't have every issue of life or theology sorted out but i know enough to put my trust in you and if that's what you want to do this morning i encourage you to to pray something like this you pray silently i'll pray out loud uh you, you'd say something like this to god you say god uh, I want your love. God, I, I want to be able to uh, receive it and to express it. God, I, 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 need, I know I need your forgiveness and I'm not trying to fool myself or anyone else. And I, I know I need a Savior. And so I invite you into my life, Lord, I, I, to be the leader of my life. And when we make the invitation, we don't need to worry about what God will... See, he will do because he made a choice... He made the choice to love you. And it's just waiting for our response. And the Bible says that when we say yes to him, that that we will be with him for eternity. That we will be, we don't know what heaven's going to be like in every way, but we know that God is there and that he wants us there with him. But he also is going to walk with you right now that God will uh, fill you with his Holy Spirit, that that there'll be this sense of of God walking with you in a way that just wasn't there before. The Scripture says as we make this decision uh, that it is, we make it individually. And even though it's an individual decision, there's a sense where there's a uh, more corporate or, or, or public confession of our faith. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to, no one's going to come to your house today or I'm not going to have you raise your hand or come forward. But here's just to give you a sense to take that step because this may be your moment. And you've said yes to Jesus, but this is your moment where you say, I identify with him. I'm not ashamed to say, I said yes to Jesus today. So with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, even up on stage, give you a sense of privacy in a public place. But what I'm going to invite you to do, that, that if you prayed that prayer with me, uh, to say yes to Jesus today, that you just simply look up at me. I'm going to look around the room, and, and you just let your eyes meet mine. I'm going to look o- all over. You just keep, okay, that's great. I'm looking on my right, and your left, and the center section, you'd say, that's me too. All right. Okay. All right. See, just go ahead. I'm just, up in the balcony as well over on my left all right way to go way to go way to go God I just thank you for my friends who are making this decision and I know there's so many people here today and God that that you see us not as a crowd but as individuals who you love deeply God I thank you for my friends who've said yes to you today and God I pray that you would walk with them each and every day. God, that you would help them to take more steps towards you. And God, I pray that for all of us, that we would take a step during these next few weeks deeper into the heart of what you're about and what you want for us. And that's this this love that can seem elusive, but God, we just know we need at the center of who we are. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.